Blog Talk Radio. You're on the air with Patricia Adams live at blogtalkradio.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. We will be discussing the topic of commitment to wholeness, HIV, what's really going on. And we have a special guest on with us, Dr. M. L. Barnes. And Dr. Barnes will be conducting the show for the first 60 minutes of the broadcast. And if you have any questions that you'd like to discuss with her, please feel free to log into the chat room or to call in at our call-in number, which is 646-929-1800. The call-in number is 646-929-1800. Dr. Barnes? Yes? Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Patricia. Thank you for having me and thank the studio and the audience for listening in, I trust. Yes, <laughs> I trust as well. I um, wanted to um, also say that basically the description that we were talking about on the uh, platform is that most Americans think uh, that HIV and AIDS is now a global problem and that it is somehow eradicated in the United States. Um, according to the CDC in 2006, approximately 1.1 million people in the United States are living with HIV and one in five are undiagnosed, which uh, comes to 21%. Uh, also, statistics are saying that a staggering 232,700 individuals living with HIV are unaware of their status. So now uh, keep 
in mind that this is from 2006, and we can only guess that the numbers, what they might look like today. That's why we are welcoming our Dr. M. L. Barnes on the show. Dr. Barnes is the president of Barone Health and Medical Advisory Services, PLLC, and the former medical director of the public health for the city of Dallas. And, and additionally, I'd like to let you know that Dr. Barnes uh, graduated from Brody School of Medicine in 1987. So she is um, a designee of the MD and the FAAFP, which means that she is board certified in family medicine. And also she was formerly, as we stated, served as the medical director for the Environmental and Health Services Department at the Public Health Division in Dallas, Texas. So Dr. Barnes is an authority on this matter, and we want to thank her for taking the time out of her busy schedule. And Dr. Barnes, um, if you would please begin to just open us up um, in prayer um, for our listening audience as we're coming to the close of 2009, and we're asking for change. We're asking people to make a change in uh, their lives, make a change in their decisions, and make a change for the better. So a commitment to wholeness, HIV, what's really going on. Dr. Barnes, would you lead us in prayer? Certainly. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus, and we just say that we're so grateful that you've kept us. We're so grateful for this opportunity. We're nearing the close of one decade, Lord, and we pray that we might enter another, but we want to enter it in you and in the knowledge and wisdom that you've given us, because your word says that you would wish that above all that we would prosper and be in health, even as our souls prosper. So we, we thank you for that, and we capture that, and we expect and call it to into existence. We ask you now to go before us and cover us in your blood and help something that's said today to make a difference in someone's life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. And, you know, I wanted to... Uh, basically reiterate to the audience that the purpose of this broadcast is to provide you with information, um, not just uh, the statistics, but Dr. Barnes, is, Dr. Barnes is also a minister, and so she's going to be coming to you with the scientific evidence, but also from a spiritual perspective, uh, we're going to present this information. So, Dr. Barnes, uh, you're more than welcome to begin um, your presentation at this time. Thank you, Patricia. Again, I'd like to say that I'm really pleased to have the opportunity to share um, on a subject that's very close and very dear to my heart. I've been in the um, Dallas area for about 11 years, and this is one of the areas of, of study and presentations that I've just have just grown to really want to know more and more about. I don't think you can know enough about HIV and AIDS and awareness. One of the when I've done presentations in the past, one of the first scriptures that I would use is that my people perish for lack of knowledge. But I, I like to I'm not changing the scripture, but I like to look at it in the opposite or the positive that my people would flourish with the abundance of knowledge. So, because God has allowed me and blessed me to study for many many years uh, to become a physician. I think it behooves me to share what I have with others so that that can make a difference in their lives. HIV is is not a disease of the past. When I've given this presentation in, in times past, a lot of people have many, many um, myths about HIV slash AIDS. 
So let me just first start out, and it doesn't, and I'm not trying to say, well, no one knows any of this, but just what is the difference between HIV and AIDS? HIV means human immunodeficiency virus. It is a virus that um, comes in the body. It cannot reproduce or cannot grow outside of the body, and it is the virus that is responsible for the conditions that produce AIDS, i.e., um, People might, might have yeast infections or what's called opportunistic infections. So a person can be HIV positive or have a positive test and not have AIDS. A person develops AIDS when they are HIV positive and their blood count, which is called their CD4 count, which is part of their white blood cell count, gets to a certain level. And when it gets below that level, their ability to fight off infections is drastically affected. And because of that, they are now susceptible to any type of infection. For example, if you or I or anyone you know that's listening gets a cold, it might last seven days. And a person that is HIV positive and their white blood count has decreased to that critical factor level, they can get the cold and develop pneumonia and be in the hospital for several, several weeks. And that's what they're. That's why they're called opportunistic infections. And that's when a person has full-blown AIDS, when their levels, when their immune system gets to a critically low level, wherein they are unable to fight off infections. So I wanted to start off with that because I, I don't want to ever assume that everyone knows what HIV or what AIDS is all about. So that that's really important. Has AIDS gone? No, it has not. AIDS is a pandemic. You know, we, our most recent pandemic has been the H1N1, which is a, another virus. But AIDS has never left. The focus has left, but AIDS has always been here, and it's more pre, more prevalent now in certain populations than others. Back in the 80s, when I was in medical school, one of, my, one of the first cases I had, I didn't know it was AIDS, and no one knew. It was a middle-aged African-American woman from New York who I um, obtained when I changed services, went from one service, say, from uh, medicine to pediatrics. But as a result of that, I obtained this lady, and we didn't know what was wrong. We, we knew she had a low white count, but we had, weren't able to put all of that together. Finally, we referred her to a specialist, an infection disease specialist, and she was HIV positive. And interestingly enough, once we broke the news to her, she said she already knew. But I guess she was, at that time I was in Virginia, and she was from New York, and I guess she was trying to get away from family, get away from anyone, and, and just that sense of denial of not being willing to tell us so that we've got, we've just had to do testing and testing and testing needlessly when she could have told us that. And so that was back in the 80s, late 80s. But HIV started out in the United States about 1985 as a quote-unquote white homosexual male disease. Back, I think it was in California, New York, they started seeing these cases. Since that time, it has evolved into a heterosexual minority, predominantly minority disease, and even more specifically, female, so black female disease. And therein, as I, I hate to say, but therein lies the problem. I think when it was at the forefront and we were learning 
a great deal about HIV and HIV awareness in the Caucasian homosexual population, there was a great deal, because it was new, and there was a, a lot of unknown and a lot of buzz about it, but as that at that time, a lot of those persons were diagnosed, and within five to seven years, they were dying because there weren't ret- antiretroviral or medications that would help to prolong their their lifespan. Now that we have such a large number of medications that can prolong the lifespan of these persons, it's all is now considered a chronic disease, and because people are living longer, uh, unfortunately. Fortunately, it's living longer, but unfortunately, sometimes those habits or those ideas or those risky risk factor behavioral patterns reemerge. You know, at one point, because it was so new and people were dying, everyone was, you know, people were afraid. And I I don't want to make generalizations, but people were afraid. Once that fear was overcome when people started living longer, the old habits came back. So how do you, you know? So it. So how do you break old habits? You know, it starts with renewing one's mind. You know, that's that's critical and that's important because you can try on your own, but until that mind gets renewed, you're going to go back to what's been most comfortable and what's most familiar. And I have to really stress that because that is very important. Is really, you know, having a relationship with the Lord because reality is HIV is everywhere. If you go in any church, you're going to see it, HIV AIDS. If you go in a school, and and really now you can go to an elementary school and you'll, you will see HIV. I can give you lots of statistics, but the bottom line is HIV is, is very much prominent and pronounced in our population, in the African-American population. We make up 13% of the population. Our, the United States population is 301 million people. We make up 13% of the population, but 48% of HIV and AIDS. So almost half of the HIV and AIDS is in the African-American community. And that's staggering, and that's distressing, because if you truly think about it, that's a, you know that's going to be a generation. At one point in time, it was the leading cause of death and African-American women in urban areas and black males between the ages of 25 and 44. Currently, and from, you know, from various agencies and, and studies, it will change. But right now, it is still number one as far as a cause of death in the 34 to 40-plus-year-old 40, 40 African-American females. Not heart disease. Not breast cancer, but HIV/AIDS, and that's staggering. And the number two cause in black males. So I'm going to just take a minute to let that, you know, kind of sink in. And Patricia, if you want to add something here, that's fine. Um, I'd like you to repeat that last piece. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I was listening to when you said uh, we make up 13% of the overall population. Mm-hmm. So 48% of all the cases of HIV AIDS in the United States. Almost that's half. Yeah, that's that's huge. <laughs> that's very huge. And you know what that means? That's that's generations. 
that's you know generation we talk about generation x that's generation y z and starting back over with a that you know and i think we just have to get real about it that we are losing generations because of a lack of knowledge a lack of awareness or denial and i stressed the last one because i you know just like the instance of the lady that i talked to you about she knew I believe there's a lot of denial in populations that don't want to deal with HIV. And really, in churches, where I think we should be most proactive, sometimes there's the least bit of activity. And I can't, you know, I think there's various reasons. As pastors, is it just not a comfortable area to talk about sex? But, you know, none of us got here by osmosis, so we got here because of sex. So I think we just have to get out of that stigma that, oh, we can't talk about that in church, and let's be real. If we don't talk about it in church, we're going to bury the result of not talking about it in the next years, year, years, and years to come. So we really, excuse me? Right, because that's the definite. I mean, uh, African Americans uh, predominantly attend church. Exactly. Uh, so it's, that's not a stereotype, that's a fact. And um, if we're going to get the message out, we're going to have to get it out within the religious communities um, where we get the most attention. And, and I guess in the movie theaters and entertainment, so basically it's our religion and entertainment is where um, we have to be made aware. But those numbers are, are really uh, something. But when you were talking about behaviors, is that the behavior has returned because we've lost fear of it because we see um, people who are living longer with this diagnosis before the imminent death, you know, within a matter of months or, or, you know, years or whatever. And so now people are living years and years and years, and they're looking healthier and healthier and healthier, whereas before, I mean, you could recognize uh, someone. I mean, it was it was so... Um, I guess new to the profession of medicine um, that basically you could tell somebody whether they had AIDS. Now, you can't really tell whether somebody has AIDS anymore or not um, by just looking at them, you know. Exactly. Um, Look at um, Magic, sorry, Magic Johnson is a good example. I mean, and people probably look at him, you know, he was diagnosed back in the 80s. Exactly. No, it was 90. No, it was 91 because I remember it well because <laughs> I was so sad and so shocked. But now they look at him and say, well, he's still living. But you got to remember, Magic Johnson was a multimillionaire. The minute Magic Johnson realized that he was HIV positive, he probably got the best of the best medications early on. I wish I could say that happens to everyone, but reality is that doesn't. So we we can't look at people now and say, well, they're doing okay. Right. But, you know, you don't know what they – and you don't know what how many pills Magic is taking every day. You know, at one point in time, Pat, people had to take 17 – probably 17 or so pills a day just to maintain and hopefully live five to eight years beyond the time that they get their first opportunistic infection, whether it be thrush or a yeast infection or um, – which is the most common, pneumocystis carinii pneumonia. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know – just getting that, you know, but now that's, that, again, has changed. So that's something that we just really have to, to be aware. And, 
you're right. The, the first place that I, I really see an impact being made or should be made would be in the religious spiritual community because you have the largest population at risk there. But okay. the, fir- the first step is that pastoral leadership has to become comfortable, again, with talking about it. And then you got to you have to wonder, well, why are not ministers comfortable or pastors or leaders comfortable with the subject? And there, you know, there are theories about that as well. Um, there are some ministers and leadership that are having areas or issues that make it difficult to call upon or call out certain behaviors because they're they may be prevalent in that congregation or in that leadership. I guess there's no way, no easy way to say that, but that that's the reality of it. And this this subject matter called the download um, or men having sex with men, which is the most common way that HIV is spread in black men now, is men having sex with men or the download. That is truly underreported, of course, because of the stigma associated with it. And download, or men having sex with men, basically download means that there are males, and it's not just African Americans, but it's males, but we've seen it more with African American males, that are reportedly not homosexual, but are having sex with men unbeknownst to their family, friends, relatives, etc., and see that as a stigma. But because of that activity, now women, African-American women, are having the highest rate of, of HIV-AIDS because of that. Now, some studies say that there's, they postulate that it may not be a cause and effect, but you've got to look at it if you're seeing more HIV in African-American women that are heterosexual, there has to be a common link. So I think the MSN, men having sex with men, download is a definite precipitating and inciting factor. So there's so many areas I, I know I, I get on a, a rant, on a on a roll but there's so many areas that it's like an iceberg pat that we just have not just dealt with. We see the tip of it but we're not seeing the whole the entire effect of HIV and AIDS in the communities in within the United States. I'm sorry, you're going to say something? You know, because um, I was listening to some of the things that you were saying, and in that regard, when we talk about this, this download thing, or um, because you said that the people who are participating in it are saying that they are heterosexual men, but they are exposing the women um, in the community as they have, you know, experienced these relationships and, and come back into the community having heterosexual sex. So that's basically what you're saying. And um, so in addition to that, it's like the increase in cervical cancers and um, things of that nature. Do you believe that there's a connection between um, cervical cancer um, and these types of um, behaviors that, you know, on the increase or whatever? I'm just asking questions. Uh, I would say I'm sure there's some studies out there to, to go either way, but I would say yes. One thing about HIV is that it, and, and sexually transmitted diseases in general is that they run, they don't run by themselves. 
So anytime you've, you've got one sexually transmitted disease, it's a, all likelihood you have another, at least one other. So because, so yes, even the high-risk activity of women, women that have sexual intercourse early on are, would be more susceptible to cervical cancer. Cervical cancer now has been found to be caused by a virus, the human papillomavirus, which is by, in fact, the most common sexually transmitted disease now that we do we now have. So yes, there is a there is a correlation. Okay. Um this is interesting. Um one thing in regards to us believing that this is, you know, the Bible says there's no new thing under the sun. Mhm. Um so I cannot um you know fully say that this is a new phenomenon because if you, you know, looking back, I guess in the Bible, you see all types of diseases uh, and diseases that had come upon um, people and nations because of their behavior. Exactly. And because of the, um, the things they were doing. So this is um, something that I think has been like a well-kept secret, but it has still been going on. It's been going on in the church since uh, the inception of time. So... Um, in terms of whether or not we are addressing it as it needs to be addressed with, you know, with the people that we are in contact with, that's a different, you know, uh, scenario altogether. But the the biggest thing, the biggest thing that we face is uh, a spiritual change, a spiritual change. And so um, for 2009, the reason for doing this, making a commitment to wholeness, not wholeness in the sense of if you've got the virus or if you've got um, the full-blown AIDS is that basically you make a commitment to change, to change. Um, the God is true. The Word of God is true. And so if we're going to make a difference, we have to first change. We have to change ourselves. We have to change our own behavior. And we have to educate because um, as a parent, as a person, you know, uh, interacting with other people in the community, you have to have knowledge, and, and with that knowledge, it comes responsibility. And with that responsibility comes that you have to make people aware because, you know, it's your mother, your brother, your sister, your cousin that you're laying to rest. And um, you're, you're wondering, and nobody wants to talk about it. Well, how did this happen? But the reality of it is, is that we have to talk about it. We have to talk about it. We have to talk about it, um, and we have to be open and honest about it women are um, being affected. And just because it's almost as if, well, there is more women than there are men, it's like, are we suddenly, you know, dispensable, you know? Mm -hmm. So the enemy uh, would run rampant in our lives and our children's and our children's children's lives. And even in the response, I think in some cases I've heard that uh, the virus can, bring, you know, make it, uh, what is it, uh, sterile in some yes. cases. It's Cause infertility, yes, it can. Now, and then there are some people who are able to still have children, but then in some cases, you know, it's causing infertility. So therein lies where we're decreasing our ability to uh, produce and reproduce, basically, um, within the human race. So if we're only <laughs> 13 to 14% of the population and 48% of us have been diagnosed, um, that's massive. I, you know, that's, that's really massive, and so that that's a really staggering um, statistic for me. But in response to the scientific evidence, there is God. 
and the blood is uh, stronger, the blood of Jesus that has been shed for us is that atonement sin. And with sin comes penalties, it comes the wage of death, and viruses, sicknesses, and diseases is a form of death. And Jesus has paid the price for those sicknesses and diseases because this is not a new disease. It may be mutated, it may be whatever, but ultimately um, Jesus is still Lord and he is still our final authority. So come at it from a spiritual perspective. You know, the numbers may be there, the numbers may be staggering, but there is a huge, uh, you know, number of people who are also being healed. Yes. Not from the virus, uh, not just from the AIDS, but also being healed from the behavior that caused. And so that that behavior, I'm not uh, making a stereotype, but the behavior is just, you know, the promiscuity whether you are heterosexual, having heterosexual sex, or a heterosexual having, you know, homosexual sex, it's not about the gender and it's not about the classification. It's about the spirit, the spirit man. The spirit man, because the Bible says that when we are led away, we're led away by our own lusts and desires. And God does not tempt us. So we were shaping, the Bible says again, that we were shaping in iniquity. We were shaping in iniquity. We were born into a sin environment. And we are each given the opportunity to choose whom we will serve once we come into the knowledge that Jesus is available to be our Lord and our Savior. So with the close of 2009, this is December 31st, 2009, um, 2.29 p.m., and in a matter of uh, hours, we will be closing out 2009 into 2010, and somewhere out there, someone is um, going to wake up and find out that maybe they've been infected, maybe uh, they've gained the virus, and so do you tell? Because a lot of people are, you know, contracting these diseases, and they aren't telling. Like you said, from the 80s, they still aren't telling. They're continuing to um, have relations with other people knowing full well that they're infected and not telling that person that they're infected and they're doing it having unprotected sex. So um, this this thing of keeping it hidden is, is, what it, is what's causing, in my opinion, spiritually for this to grow naturally. It's because of the willingness for us to just keep quiet about it. Yes, it's kind of it's kind of like you remember the don't ask, don't tell. It's it's kind of that type of, of thought process, you know. Just don't let anyone know. But you really, you know what? Sin has a it always has a way of manifesting. So we can only you can't hide it. It, it will manifest. And I, you know, I think about the scripture Romans twelve one and two of presenting your your body. I beseech you to present your body a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. And be ye transformed, not conformed, but transformed. And that is just, that's so key, is to present ourselves and be tra- allow him to transform us because confirmation just changes externally. It's just a, a thought process in the head, but a true transformation is from within, it's from the spirit, it's, it's from the heart. And that is what is needed not just for HIV-AIDS, but 
for our world as a whole, but but in, since we're talking about this subject, is a transformation. You know, if you have a sin, you know, if that's an area of weakness for you and you become saved and you say, okay, I'm okay, I'm done with it, we don't change immediately. But you, you might, from a mental standpoint, have to change some of your behaviors as God is doing the work on the inside. You see what I'm saying? So that you you can you are renewed and you will become renewed day by day. But you have to yield to that, and we have to confess that, you know, Lord, I I'm having an issue with I'm a male and I love you, and I'm a Christian and I'm having lust about males because I had that because I was raped when I was six, and in the most instances that's where you see homosexual activity. By and large, and even lesbian activity, there has been some incidents of of um, sexual abuse as as a child. Not every time, but a good proportion of them have. Mm-hmm. And if you don't deal with it, it's just going to grow. It's like a cancer that it grows. As a matter of fact, some type, some of the manifestations of AIDS is actually a cancer. Okay. Okay. So it. Go Dr. Barnes. We are like 56 minutes remaining in the broadcast. Okay. And point, what I'd like, if you would please, open up the doors of the kingdom to the listening audience, those who are actively listening right now and those who will be listening later as this um, broadcast goes into archives. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if you would pray the prayer of salvation with them and just ask them to repeat after you, I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Dear Lord, we just come to you again. And, Lord, we just ask now that if there is anyone that is listening or will listen in the future that knows that they don't know you as their personal Savior and they know that there is an emptiness that needs to be filled, there's a a void in their life that alcohol, sex, drugs, pornography does not fill. It's only filled by you. We ask you now, Lord, to, to draw that person convict that person that they will come to know you that they will come to you and say Lord I admit that I'm a sinner and Lord I need your help I ask you to come into my life and change me and save me I want to live for you I love you Lord I need your help daily hourly by the minute I accept you now as my personal Savior, I turn away from my former life. I repent and turn towards you. I bless your name, and I thank you, Lord, for saving me this day. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. God bless you. Um, I would also like to uh, basically um, say at this time that we are not pushing out information, hoping to make anybody afraid. But this is an opportunity for you to get the information basically anonymously. Because in the comfort of your home, in the comfort of your wherever you are, plugged into this broadcast, nobody knows your name. Nobody knows your face. This is information that is being put out to you in hopes that as we go into 2010, change is inevitable. The seasons change, the years change, the days change, the months change, the hours change. 
change is inevitable. So those things that refuse to change become stagnant. And when you become stagnant, you become a live cesspool for things to grow and fester in. And if you refuse to face the facts, the fact is is that there is no sickness that God cannot heal. The Word of God says that. And he says that if you would believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved, that all of this, the gift, the free gift of salvation becomes available to you. It becomes available to you. And in that, you, you, some people, I've heard uh, stories and I've read stories and, and shared testimonies of people saying the moment they accepted Christ, uh, immediately they were healed. I've heard others say that, you know, it has happened as they've gone on. Others, they have not been healed on this side of the kingdom, but they have entered into his rest. But at the same time, I don't know how God will choose to heal you, how God will choose to use this broadcast to minister to you. And as someone who is concerned for you, spirit, soul, mind, and body, spirit, soul, mind, and body, because we're talking about a commitment to wholeness, is that you would make a change. You would make a change and recognize that you are required to present your body as a living sacrifice. Sacrifice is difficult. (laughs) Sacrifice is painful because it requires you to kill off your desires, not yourself, but your desires. It requires you to surrender your will for his will. It requires you to change your mind. And how can you change your mind except the mind of Christ being you? You have to be renewed in your mind so that you can be transformed. And transformed means to take you over. Basically, it's it's like a bridge that will take you from one way of being over to the other way of being. So if you can imagine transformation, being transformed as a form of someone coming and meeting you on one side of the bridge and transporting you over to the other side safely and knowing this, that Jesus has become that bridge for us. He has become that way of escape for us that allows us to leave behind the things, the former things, and move into becoming a new creation. So I invite you to accept him as your Savior before we close out of 2009. Make a quality decision to be committed to wholeness, spirit, soul, mind, and body. Back to Dr. Bond. Yes? Yes, ma'am. Well, uh, what more do you say after that uh, except amen? But I just want, you know, people to be aware that HIV, AIDS, these aren't death sentences anymore. And anyone that has, and I just want to say this, anyone that is at risk, and, and this is important, who's at risk for HIV? Anyone who has had sexual relations in the last eight years, even if it was once, is at risk. Suppose you have. Should you be tested? Yes, you can. Testing is very easy now. It's it's always tried to, be, to have been anonymous, but now it can be. You can be tested within 20 minutes and know your results. 
and isn't that worth it? Because you know, say you know, none of us are perfect. If we had not, you have that situation and you've made that mistake or error, it doesn't have to be your death sentence. Just get tested. If it's negative, praise the Lord and move forward with a renewed mind that you can now make better decisions and live a long and successful life for yourself and for your generations to come because that's what's critical is knowing that it's not just for yourself but it's for your future and for the future of your children and your children's children because we need you. God made each person for a purpose and we need you. So if you die prematurely, something's going to go missing in this world and I don't want it to be because of something as critical but treatable and preventable as a sexually transmitted disease. Amen. And, you know, that's really powerful because God says in his word, Jeremiah, and it's a common thread that has been going on uh, in the spirit, that God has been just continuing that same thing, that same thought of Jeremiah 29, 11, that he knows the thoughts that he's speaking about you. And there are not thoughts to harm you, but to prosper you and to give you a good end. And if God is thinking great things about you, and if God is thinking that you're not a mistake, and if God is thinking that there is nothing that you've been through, nothing that you've done, nothing that you have even imagined doing that he has not become the answer for, he is the I am that I am. There is absolutely nothing that God will say to you that I refuse to be your God. There used to be a time in Hosea, the people in, in the book of Hosea had really gone off the deep end, and we have yet to reach that level. We have yet to reach that level, and I believe it is because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Because in the Old Testament, punishment for misbehaving and uh, bad behavior was dire. If you go and you read the book of Hosea, God says, these people don't want to be my people, and I'm going to stop being their God. And as a result of stopping being their God, he basically dried up the water, he dried up the ground, he dried up the fish in the sea. They they could not fish, and that was a major uh, commercial, so that hit their finances, dried up their finances. Um, they The ground did not bear uh, when they planted seeds, um, even the file of the air were not there. They couldn't even uh, get any type of sustenance. They even became so hungry that they began to devour themselves. So they became cannibals as a result of their unwillingness to let God be God. And I believe that we have yet gotten to that. Because of the blood of Jesus, the the blood of Jesus is holding back the hand of God. Because every time God looks at us, he sees the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And that shed blood is the mercy, the grace that follows after us, that pursues us, that says, you know, I love you with an everlasting love. I will never turn my back on you again. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. When your mother and your father forsake you, Psalm 27 says, says, he will take up your cross. So we have a God who is reaching out 
and he has given us an opportunity and given us a platform where we can reach out to you in the privacy of your home and the privacy of wherever you are and let you know that he loves you. He hates the sin, and there's a big difference. People may hate you. He hates the sin, but he loves you. He loves you, and he loved you as an enemy when you were his enemy to the purpose of the kingdom of God. He sent his son. He said that God loved the world. Who's in the world? All of us. He sent his son for the world, not for the Christians because there was no such thing as a Christian. He sent us when we were enemies against him. That's how much he loves when his love is extended to you. It is unconditional. He has no stipulations on that except that you would turn from your wicked way. If you would just turn, just just turn, it, it may sound a di- like a difficult decision to make, but if you would just turn, that means just have a change of thought in your mind, a clarity of thought in your mind that, you know what, I was created for greatness, I was created for better things, and why is it that my behavior is taking me on a different journey? So I want to thank Dr. Barnes for taking the time out of her busy schedule and coming on uh, with us, Dr. Barnes. If um, you are doing any type of consulting and you'd like to be reached, is there a way for anyone to reach you? Um, Or if you want, uh, would you like for me to give out an email address where someone can reach you if uh, you'd like to do that? Sure. Uh, The easiest, uh, my most efficient email would be madge, M-A-D-G-E, underscore Barnes, B-A-R-N-E-S, at sbcglobal.net. Again, Madge, M-A-D-G-E, underscore Barnes, at sbcglobal.net. And I open that for anyone that has any questions. Um, That might get to be a little more than I can handle, but for right now I think it's such a critical need that if I need help I'll get someone to help with answering questions, but it's so important that if you have any questions, no question is stupid. No question is too dumb, except the one that you don't ask me. And I encourage you to do that because also in her bio it says that one of her areas of great passion is in increasing awareness of the sexually transmitted disease in high-risk groups. And as a result of that passion, Dr. Barnes has spoken throughout uh, the Metroplex and in other uh, states, and she's been involved in the uh, Dallas Healthy Smart Consortium and um, that was an agency that was um, functioning in the capacity of increasing the awareness of infant mortality. And also she has uh, traveled to the capital of Austin, Texas, and met with senators and state house members to urge their support of the Senate bill that would allow the formation of a FIMR, a fetal infant mortality review team. And um, also, uh, like I said, she is in ministry. So Dr. Barnes is not a novice and having served in the capacity that she did in the Center for Disease Control, and if she is making herself available to you, and uh, I just would not take that lightly. So once again, Dr. Barnes, would you give out your email address? My email, just one correction. I work with the City of Dallas, not Center for Disease Control. I don't want them to sue me, so let me make that um, clarification. But my email address, again, is Madge, M-A-D as in dog, G as in good, E, Madge underscore Barnes, B-A-R-N-E-S, 
at sb is in boy c global dot net match underscore barnes at sbc global dot net look forward to hearing from you all and um again the theme of this show is about change making a commitment to change and change 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 is inevitable your clock is going to change your calendar is going to change so change is all around you and if you refuse to change then shame on you but god has sent a word for you and i think um the what is that that poem that someone tells or i guess it's really a joke about um a man being on the top of his the roof of his house in a flood waiting for help and i kept sending him help <laughs> and he never took the help well god is sending you help right now he's sending you help right now Right where you are, he's sending you help. So as you come into having to make a decision, don't make a resolution. Resolutions are easy to break. Resolutions are so easy to break. Make a change. Make a conscious effort to make a change. And if you believe that um, accepting Christ in your life is not the answer, I promise you it is the best thing that you could ever do, uh, is accepting what's available to you because it's a gift. That's why it's the best thing because there is no charge involved. It costs you absolutely nothing to accept the free gift of salvation because the price has already been paid. So I encourage you, if you don't know him in the free pardon of your sins, that which you would make a decision before this year ends, accept him into your heart and pray the prayer of salvation with Dr. Barnes um, as she prayed earlier. And also to encourage you, as well to know that you need to have a church home. Um, the Internet is great, satellite is great, but you need to come into the house of God because there is a corporate anointing that is available to you that the Word of God says, forget not to assemble yourself. There is a reason for that corporate gathering because in that gathering, the Bible says where there is two or three gathered together in his name that he would be in the midst. So where there is two or three gathered together. And, yeah, you can be at home with two or three people in your house. Yes, indeed. But there is something about coming under the authority and the house of worship, coming before someone who God has assigned to watch and pray for your soul, someone who has to take the responsibility and the charge seriously that your soul must be fed and you must be fed in order to change. So you can make a change on the broadcast today, overnight, uh, over into the wee hours of the morning, but I encourage you to find a church home. And um, don't delay. Don't delay because God has a work for you to do. People need you. God needs you. We are the feet that move about in this earth that take the gospel, take the good news, to those who are hurting and dying. And if you are a backslider, come home. You know the way home. Come home. God is waiting on you. And I believe that as a result of this broadcast that many will be saved. So I thank you again for tuning in, and I thank you again, Dr. Barnes, for being on the broadcast. And, again, we have like 38 minutes remaining in the broadcast. And I know initially you said that you would only be able to be on uh, for the first 60 minutes of the show. Right. And so that you eight minutes. 
So in those eight minutes, uh, would you please um, continue? Uh, let's see. Got eight minutes, Mike. So much to talk. So much to talk about. With, uh, you are. Stay on. You know. But if you're able to stay on longer, you know, feel free. We still have 38 minutes in the show. Okay. Um, I did. We did talk a little about you know, just testing and how easy that is to to take place now, and I just really stress that that it is simple. Um, to be tested, you can find out within a few minutes, and then you can make further um, choices in your life. So, so be tested. Years ago, when I was a little girl, and I won't say how long ago, before people could be be married, they had to have a syphilis test. Now that's gone gone by the wayside. But one area that I'm really pushing strongly towards is having HIV mandatory HIV testing prior to marriage. And not just one test, because a one-time HIV test will not, it just tells you at that point in time, but sometimes it can take longer, so you really need to have two tests about three to six months apart. So that's something I have not met with legislators or anything like that, but it's something that I really would push is to have mandatory HIV testing. But you know what would be better than that is if, we had a change of heart and change of mind so that we wouldn't have to be tested for HIV. I believe HIV could be eradicated, but it's going to take a spiritual journey on the part. It won't be government that's going to change it. It will be a spiritual change of heart that will eradicate HIV and other sexually transmitted disease. 30 to 40 years ago, there was only two sexually transmitted diseases, syphilis and gonorrhea, easily treated by penicillin. Now there's the latest statistics more than a hundred, so things have changed, and things have changed drastically. Wow. But on a good note, God is good and God is great, and He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. So let's just ask Him. <laughs> and I yes. like to say thank you, Pat, for having me because I did enjoy this. It was it was a push to get here, but. It was an important subject, so I do um, just appreciate your thinking to invite me on for your listeners. And, and I, I pray that, you know, God, out of this, you know, reward for, you know, sparing your time uh, to come and do this, because I know you're very busy and you've got a lot going on as well. Um, but at the same time, I know we have not even begun to address some of the things of uh, within the church um, and a lot of people um, hesitate to come to the church because they say that, you know, the church is not being the church. Right, in, in other not being real. Let, let me touch on a little bit of that. Um, we've got to be willing to accept people as they are. If someone comes into our church that's HIV positive and, and they, you actually see evidence of it, we can't shun them, like, because that, that's only turning them away. And that might even turn them back to what they have current, you know, previously done. We've got to show the love of Christ when people are HIV positive. We're not above that because anyone, as I said, anyone that's had sex in the last eight years could be could have HIV. So that that counts. That that means a whole lot of folks in churches. Okay. So we really need to have and show the love of Christ to people that are living with AIDS or HIV. 
and not right. shunned. Because you could be a right. You could be a um, at this point. You could have given your life to Christ, um, you know, and I still have this. And uh, as a Christian, you know, have the ability to act responsibly according to the Word of God, not according to man-made terms that we say how you should behave. But if we live by the standards of the Bible, then um, what happens within the community, the church community, because a lot of people, we're we're coming up with a lot of people in the body of Christ who um, have basically, in in, I guess the best way to say it, been brought to the light, mm-hmm. you know, about the choices that they were making still as Christians and, you know, still naming the name of Christ. So um, our light has to shine so that people will see that Jesus is, is real. And it has to shine in us because we are to be living epistles is what the word says, easily read of men. And so we have to point the way, we have to lead the way, and we have to show them by example that we as believers and as Christians take the call of the gospel very seriously and that we lead the forefront in making that commitment to wholeness. Exactly. And um, I've, I've, you know, seen so many stories and so many people coming out, you know, claiming that, you know, they've gone through, you know, all types of abuse, you know, in the church and outside of the church by people you know, of the church and, that is still because there has not gone through that transformation, that sanctification process, because that old man, that old man is still warring against the new man. And people are being hurt, people are being wounded. And a lot of times we're finding that within the walls of the church that you're saying as well that people aren't being accepted. And then when they come in uh, and they're struggling and then we have other people who have been in the church and they're still struggling and then they impact. And, and for instance, there was a story that I read uh, of a woman uh, stating about um, going through a divorce of being with uh, someone who was in leadership in the church. And this person being in leadership in the church basically um, had compromised their position in the church with a member within the church which later resulted in this uh, couple going through a divorce. And this was someone that they were uh, supposed to be responsible for, supposed to be, you know, uh, nurturing in the admonition of the Lord. And this leader basically compromised that relationship between a leader to a follower and jeopardized the whole call of God um, in that moment. So as leaders, we're not exempt, and and we're not exempting ourselves and saying that, you know, we can live one way and you have to live another way. It's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. We're all called to live holy lives, and we're all called not to scatter the sheep because there is a huge, huge penalty for scattering the sheep once you come into salvation. So as, uh, as... members in our leadership of of this, I will just, you know, go on record and say, you know, I will offer to you um, a, a branch, an olive branch, if you would. And I just, you know, if you've been offended 
by anyone um, in ministry and, and been wounded in regards to um, being abused in the church, then I say to you, you know, please forgive. Please forgive and please accept, you know, this um, offering of apology to you because we are all members of one body. That's what the Word of God says. And so if one of us has harmed another of the sheep, then we all are guilty. We are all guilty because he holds us to a higher standard. So as as the body of Christ comes to the forefront and say, you know, we, we've left some things, the the Catholic Church, all the different nations have all gone through this, have all gone through this, but God is calling us and saying, you know, I'm calling you to a higher place. I'm calling you to a higher level of responsibility. I'm calling you to show the way to these people who are hurting. And I believe that God is not playing with us. He's not playing with us. He is asking us uh, privately because, you know, it's this warning comes before destruction. So he's asking us privately to get it right. And when we don't get it right privately, then we leave no choice then for him to, you know, take it public. So the biggest thing is is that we have to acknowledge that if you sin, it doesn't stop you from being saved because we sin. But the difference is is that when we sin, we still have an advocate with the Father because we have accepted him as our Lord and Savior. That's true. That's true. So shall we continue in sin? Like grace may abound. No, God forbid. God forbid. Can I share just something? And then I'm probably going to need to move on to my next venture okay. for tonight. Um, I have, have given... A, presentations to celibacy classes and of course celibacy classes are persons that have decided they are, are going to be chosen that route which would be everyone but they've taken this class to learn how to, to, to live a, celib- a celibate life and I've noticed a very interesting because it's several series but I was always asked to talk about um, celibacy from the medical side and during the class time there would always be a large class at the beginning when, when it would start large numbers of folks, but when I would do my presentation on sexually transmitted disease, it would be a handful of folks, and that was consistent. I did this, I, I did these talks at my church for years, and it was always very few people, and I said, well, that, okay, and it wouldn't bother me because I've seen that same um, pattern in health fairs. When there's been health fairs and there's been talks on sexually transmitted disease, there's very few. I mean, we actually had to to hog hog people to come in and, and hear about it. So it, it's it's there, but people just you know sometimes just don't want to know about it, and that could be there could be many reasons for that. You know, I don't want to hear about something that I'm doing because it just makes me have to deal with it. If I don't think about it, I don't have to deal with it. My mind's not renewed to that point, but. You've got to wonder why the statistics have shown that there are more sexually active single people in church than outside of church. So forgetting about HIV, but let's just talk about sexual intercourse, intimacy, uh, fornication, period, within the church. That's what we need to talk about. We need to talk about sex in the church. Did you say sex in the church, Dr. Barnes? I said sex in the church. Yes, ma'am. We need to talk about it. I know that's a taboo 
but promise you, if we don't talk about it, as I said earlier, then we're going to bury what we didn't talk about. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Well, you know, um, I'm I'm open to talk about it on the air um, whenever you have the time. <laughs> and I will be quite, I'm pretty open, so, you know, I love the Lord, and he knows I love him, and he opens, he, he I just put it out there because I think we need to stop covering it up, trying to make it so spiritual that we can't talk about it, and let's get to some real nitty-gritty issues. So looking at my schedule, if there's a time that we can talk about that, I'll get back in touch with you, Pat. But I do think that's that's a starting point as well, is just talking about why Christians are sexually active in our churches. You said you went from sex in the church to Christians being sexually active. Mm-hmm. And I meant that. <laughs> I meant that. Okay. All right. <laughs> you might not want me back, but <laughs> now we now we we will we will go there. We will go there. Um so um if you are, you know, by any means we have twenty five minutes left in the show and I know you said that you needed to go on to the next venture. Uh-huh. Trust me, you know, I am not rushing you off because I will glad continue. So uh, I want to thank you again for being on the show. Um, And uh, I look forward to you getting back with me so that we can talk about sex in the church and Christians having sex. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. And on that note, I trust that everyone has a marvelous and blessed 2010. Start this decade outright so that we can see the next decade and future decades together doing what God has called us to do and being the kings and queens and royalty which our Father promised to us. Have a wonderful day, and thank you, Pat, again for having me. Thank you for coming on. All right. Bye-bye. Well, that was Dr. M.L. Barnes, and um, we are going to play a song called Order My Steps. Is God good, saints? Is God good? All the time?
God good, Saints? Is God good? We are back on the air for the conclusion of Commitment to Wholeness, HIV, what's really going on. Our guest has been Dr. M. L. Barnes, and we have covered um, some staggering things with the amongst the African American community, with us being 13 to 14 percent of the population, and having a rate of infection um, of the uh, virus of about 48 percent, or what Dr. Barnes had shared with us. Um, but she also said that the way we can make a change is that we have to go through salvation's door and we have to transform our minds and we have to make a conscious decision change. And this day, this day, I admonish you to make a change. This is December 31st, 2009, 3.12 p.m., and in less than nine hours, we will be entering 2009 and entering 2010. And in the process of entering into a new year, I ready to change because everything around you is changing. And if everything around you is changing and you're not changing, then you are becoming stagnant and you are not growing um, at all. So change is more than just salvation. Change in um, the decisions and the choices that you're making and the behavior um, that you have been exhibiting requires change. Some people have the fortitude to make this change without Christ, um, and others need Christ. But the one thing that the Bible says is that all men, all men, all men, and that does not mean those who have the strong fortitude are exempt from that because it's not enough to have strong fortitude. You need Jesus. You need Jesus to make a change in your life. You need Jesus to take you to that place in him of intimacy. And for the remaining uh, part of the broadcast, we have 16 minutes. I'd like to read you the devotional from Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest dated December 31st, and it is entitled Yesterday. And his scriptural text is Isaiah 52, verse 12, the God of Israel will be your reward. His first uh, topic is security, subtopic rather, is security yesterday. God requires that which is past. God requires that which is past. At the end of the year, we turn with eagerness to all that God has for the future. And yet anxiety is apt to arise from remembering the yesterdays. Our present enjoyment of God's grace is apt to be checked by the memory of yesterday's sins and blunders. But God is the God of our yesterdays, and he allows the memory of them in order to turn the past into a ministry of spiritual culture for the future. God reminds us of the past lest we get into a shallow security in the present. His next subtopic is security for tomorrow. For the Lord will go before you. This is a gracious revelation that God will garrison where we have failed to. He will watch let things trip us up again into like failure as they assuredly would do if he were not our re-reward. God's hand reaches back to the past and makes a clearing house for conscience. 
the next subtopic, security for today. For we shall not go out with haste. As we go forth into the coming year, let it not be in the haste of impetuous, unremembering delight, nor the flight of impulsive thoughtlessness, but with the patient power of knowing that the God of Israel will go before us. Our yesterdays present irreparable things to us. It is true that we have lost opportunities which will never return, but God can transform this destructive anxiety into a constructive thoughtfulness for the future. Let the past sleep, but let it sleep on the bosom of Christ. Leave the irreparable past in his hands and step out into the irresistible future with him. God says change, make a change, and step into the irresistible future with him. Again, I'd like to uh, go to uh, a passage of scripture and found in Zechariah um, chapter 8, verse 15. This is in the Old Testament starting with um, verses 14. But this is what the Lord Almighty says, and this is from the New Living Translation. I did not change my mind when your ancestors angered me, and I promised to punish them, says the Lord Almighty. Verse 15, neither will I change my decision to bless Jerusalem and the people of Judah, so don't be afraid. Verse 16, but this is what you must do. Tell the truth to each other. Render verdicts in your courts that are just and that lead to peace. Verse 17, do not make evil plots to harm each other and stop this habit of swearing to things that are false. I hate all these things, says the Lord. Verse 18 says, here is another message that came to me from the Lord Almighty. Verse 19, this is what the Lord Almighty says. The traditional fast and times of mourning you have kept in early summer, midsummer, autumn, and winter. Hebrew in the 4th, 5th, 7th, and 10th months. The 4th month of the Hebrew lunar calendar usually occurs in June and July. The 5th month usually occurs in July and August. And the 7th month usually occurs in September and October. The 10th month usually occurs in December and January. And this was an insert into um, the New Living Translation giving an explanation for verse 19 of Zechariah chapter 8 where they're talking about the traditional fast and times of mourning that have been kept in early summer, midsummer, autumn, and winter. And continuing on with verse 19, it says, are now ended. They will become festivals of joy and celebration for the people of Judah. So love, truth, and peace. Verse 20 says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. People from nations and cities around the world will travel to Jerusalem. Verse 21, the people of one city will say to the people in another, let us go to Jerusalem to ask the Lord to bless us and to seek the Lord Almighty. We are planning to go ourselves. Verse 22 says, people from many nations, even powerful nations, will come to Jerusalem to seek the Lord Almighty and to ask the Lord to bless them. Verse 23 says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, ten people from nations and languages around the world will clutch at the hem of one Jew's robe, and they will say, please let us walk with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Continuing on uh, to Zechariah chapter 9 and 1, this message says, This is the message from the Lord against the land of Aram and the city of Damascus. For the eyes of all humanity, including the people of Israel, are on the Lord. 
Doom is certain for Hamath near Damascus and for the cities of Tyre and Sidon too, though they are so clever. Verse 3 says, Tyre has built a strong fortress and has piled up so much silver and gold that it is as common as dust in the streets. Verse 4 says, But now the Lord will strip away Tyre's possessions and hurl its fortifications into the Mediterranean Sea. Tyre will be set on fire and burned to the ground. Verse 5 says, The city of Ashkelon will see Tyre fall and will be filled with fear. Gaza will shake with terror and so will Ekron, for their hopes will be dashed. Gaza will be conquered and its kings killed, and Ashkelon will be completely deserted. In chapter 9, God is speaking to the children of Israel, and he's speaking to all of those who are surrounding and he is making a pronouncement against them. And when I said earlier in the broadcast, we have yet to see the type of things happen in this day that happened in the Old Testament uh, because I believe of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. But it talks about things that were in um, Oswald Chambers, security from yesterday, security for tomorrow, and security for today. And the purpose in reading Zechariah uh, chapters 8 and 9 to you is to give you a scriptural foundation for what he's talking about. When he says in Isaiah 52 and 12, the God of Israel will be your reward. So he is basically wanting us to stop, to stop doing what we used to do yesterday so that it will stop affecting our tomorrow. So our today will be a new day that we are not having to fight against old enemies and fight against old ways of being. So I want to also say to you that when uh, verse 16 of chapter 9 says, when that day arrives, the Lord will rescue his people just as a shepherd rescues his sheep. They will sparkle in his land like jewels in a crown. Verse 17 says, How wonderful and beautiful they will be. The young men and women will thrive on the abundance of grain and new wine. This is all a new day, a new change that Zechariah was speaking about. God is calling us today to make a change. He's calling us to change our way of doing and being and give his way of doing and being free reign and free course in our lives so that our light would shine before men. We have exactly eight minutes remaining in the show, and I'd like to still um, offer the prayer of salvation once again. And if you would repeat after me, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to come into my life. I ask that you would come in and become the Lord of my life, that you would become my Savior, and that you would become the one who would receive me as your child. I believe that your son Jesus died for my sins. I believe that because he has risen again and he has ascended into heaven that I have been given power to do that which you would have me to do, and that is to live my life holy and acceptable to you, to present my body as a living sacrifice to you. Father, I thank you for the free gift of salvation. I thank you for coming into my heart. I thank you for saving me. I thank you for cleansing me and forgiving me and presenting me before the Father blameless and faultless as only you can. God, we thank you for the souls that are being saved right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, I'd like to share a song with you, and it is entitled, Speak to My Heart.
that will bring new life. Words on the wings of the morning, the dark night will be.
We are back on the air, remaining in the broadcast. I want to thank you again for being a part of the listening audience. I want to thank Dr. M.L. Barnes again for coming on the show and sharing with us the Word of God and the information that is so pertinent to our community as members of the human race. And I want to also thank those of you who are coming by to listen to this archive. I want to encourage you to be strong in the his mic. I invite you to come by my website at www.oneheartseries.com. That's www.oneheartseries, O-N-E-H-E-A-R-T-S-E-R-I-E-S.com. And um, take a look at what God is doing in the lives of uh, his servant, uh, Patricia E. Adams. And thank you so much again for coming on to www.blogtalkradio.com, Patricia Adams Live. And as we close out the broadcast, remember, make a commitment to wholeness. Make a commitment to wholeness. Make a commitment to yourself. Make a commitment to your community. Make a commitment to change. But above all, make a commitment to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. We want you. As we enter into the year of 2010, we've got some great shows coming up. And please come by and listen to us as we discuss um, life overflowing, life overflowing. 